I'm fantastic, Faris, which is a complete lie to what I said to you before. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Join our Bitcoin Basics community in our new Telegram group at bitcoinbasics.help slash telegram. No ads, no altcoins, shitcoins, no other nonsense, only Bitcoin information, education and discussion at bitcoinbasics.help slash telegram. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics podcast. I am your host Ferris, here with Gordon. And the price of Bitcoin at time recording is $42,225. The sats that you get per US dollar is 2,368. And the block height is 719,242. Gordon, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Faris, which is a complete lie to what I said to you before. <laughs> yeah, I think if uh, we recorded the intro when me and Gordon actually caught up, we would have had a lot of, uh, a lot of beeps taking place because Gordon's had to deal with immigration today, haven't you? And you're, you're still on planet Earth, aren't you? Yeah, they're, they're lovely people in immigration. Fantastic. <laughs> so, Gordon, today we're going to be talking about um, a VPN and Tor. And you recently said to me, let's discuss why one should not use a VPN. Because if anyone's been following our work, one of the very first things we did, we said before you buy Bitcoin, you actually want to set up a VPN as part of your security. Uh, so before I get into why or why not use a VPN, let's talk about Tor. Uh, now, Tor is something I've come across. I know a lot of people use it. Um, my understanding of what Tor is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it's basically a private browser that you install. So instead of using Safari, Chrome, or Firefox, you install the Tor browser. And that connects to other browsers around the world or other people's networks before you go online. So essentially, if you don't have a VPN, you just get in your computer, you go online, your IP address is just being broadcasted to the world. But if you're only using a Tor browser, it, it hides your IP address and your location. Is that a fair example? Have I made any um, big mistakes in that one? No, no mistakes. No, you're on the right track. And, and as you said, um, Tor, Tor actually stands for the Onion Router, which uh, I won't go into, but basically nowadays it's just called Tor. You can download Tor as a separate browser, which is basically Firefox stripped out. Um, or some browsers actually offer it. So for example, a Brave browser, you'll notice you can create a new window, you can create a new private window, or you can create a new Tor window or tab. So some browsers actually offer Tor within their browser itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Tor browser, and I'll use those words inter interchangeably, Tor, the Onion Router, Tor Network, Tor Browser, all, all the same thing. And, and you're right, Faris, essentially, um, if you're browsing the web in three different ways, one is just normal way, and another one is using a VPN or, or with Tor, you're going to have three separate IP addresses. And before I go down the rabbit hole, um, your normal IP address is the one that you know your internet service provider gave to you. If you're using a VPN, one of the popular VPNs, then um, they won't see your home IP address. They'll see the VPN service browser's IP address. Those are pretty much known so that they know 
what, what you're using, but yeah, they won't see HomeOne. And if you're using Tor, it essentially masks your IP address. And before I go on, Faris, yeah, you're right. It's essentially Tor as a network of volunteers running a Tor network that basically scrambles your IP address and traffic. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. So just to confirm, if someone wanted to use Tor, they wouldn't actually have to go out and purchase any extra hardware. Like a no. router. Don't you get a whole new router or anything? No, 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 no. And and I think the router, the onion router, sort of confuses people. Like, you know, is it a is it a hardware device? We don't need to purchase anything. No. So I think the best way to explain that is that with a VPN, it's a connection between you and your VPN provider. And then your VPN provider connects to whatever service. So whether it's a website, Netflix, Skype, whatever. And so there's those two connections. So let's let Facebook's an easy example. So let's say you're on Facebook with plain text, normal, Facebook sees your IP address, your home IP address. With a VPN, Facebook sees your VPN provider's IP address, and you can you know, connect to different VPN providers in different continents, whatnot. But your VPN knows your actual IP address, of course. With Tor, it's kind of like a black hole. So you connect with your normal connection to the Tor network. It's like a black hole of hundreds of thousands of, of people running the Tor network. And then that black hole connects to Facebook or connects to Binance or whatever service. So that changes every single time you connect to the network. And essentially, whoever's, you know, Facebook or Binance or Netflix, whoever, they see the Tor Network's IP address, um, which is randomized every single time. So that's basically how it works in a nutshell. I know that with a VPN, for example, um, certain websites won't allow you to access them because they'll recognize you're running a VPN. Can you run into the same hurdles with Tor? Yeah, you can. It's a good point I was going to bring up later. There can be some legal issues of running Tor. For example, Coinbase does not like you to run the Tor browser. Binance, and I sound like a Binance fanboy, I'm not, but Binance actually encourages you to run a Tor browser. So um, in some jurisdictions, I know, like China and, and perhaps elsewhere, um, you can actually, it's actually illegal to run a Tor. It's probably illegal to run VPN, but it's illegal to run Tor Network. So um, you, you do have to be a little bit careful. Some, um, products and services will ban you or flag you. It could put a target on your back by running a tour, um, through the tour network. But, um, I guess that comes down to the difference between tour and VPN. And I don't think I would ever say to someone, stop using a VPN, but I think a lot of people using a VPN and are actually wanting to use tour, not a VPN. Um, and so they don't really understand the differences and some of the trade-offs that are the differences between the two. So with the VPN, and we'll talk about this in a second, I know that like you purchased the VPN subscription, they have access to your IP address because you're connecting to the VPN network. And then from the VPN network, you're connecting to World Wide Web. With Tor, no one within the Tor group can actually see your IP address. Yeah, so this black hole that I talk about um, is it's it's kind of like Bitcoin. It's kind of like a decentralized system of nodes. And funnily enough, Faris, we're going to talk about a Bitcoin full node in our next episode. 
And this, this idea of nodes is that there's no one central server. You know, there's no Facebook.com or Binance.com or whatever it is. And so with the Tor network, you go into it from your PC um, and it sort of bounces around these nodes. And these nodes are specifically designed on purpose to be all the same. So sometimes with a VPN, well, not sometimes, but let's say you, I'm, I'm, I'm picking on Coinbase, but um, you're using a VPN to access Coinbase and use it with a popular VPN provider. And let's say you're on a MacBook Air and you've got a certain you know, um, version using Safari, you've got a certain screen size, da, da, da. If you connect it to Coinbase, yeah, fine. If you used a completely separate VPN provider, which gave you a completely separate IP address from a completely separate continent or country, Coinbase knows that it's still you. You can change your VPN provider. You can change your location as many times as you want. Coinbase still knows that it's you. Why? Because every single browser, every single computer has a unique fingerprint. And it's really detailed, you know, going down to the level of Safari that using your keyboard layout, the language you're using, your screen size, your operating system version, all kinds of stuff. So you can choose the VPN as many times as you want, change it. Um, Coinbase knows that it's you just connecting from different VPNs. So that kind of comes down to the differences between, I guess, um, what um, uh, the difference between VPNs and tools. And essentially a VPN provides privacy by hiding what you do, what you do online. So it's hiding from your internet service provider. It's hiding from any person in between your connection and the service. So it's hiding what you do. Whereas Tor really provides anonymity, it's hiding who you are. So there's no way for them to link a Tor or any sort of identity to you. And that's in a nutshell what it is. Um, a lot of people use a VPN when they should be using Tor. They want to hide their identity. They don't necessarily want to hide what they're doing. And sometimes vice versa, people using a Tor probably should be using a VPN. So a while ago, we were having a conversation where you said we might not be recommending that our clients use a VPN because recently a VPN um, service provider was hacked, uh, meaning that everyone that used that VPN, what details were made public? Yeah, I mean, th this was a while ago, and, and, and there's also a bigger issue for us in that with a VPN, it's great. A VPN can, gives you a secure connection to whatever product or service. And so even your internet service provider doesn't know what you're doing on a VPN. They can see traffic, but it's all scrambled. It's all encrypted. But you have to trust your VPN. And there are some good VPN providers out there. But even the best VPN provider, it's only a matter of time before they get hacked. And uh, we sort of mentioned a joke on the show, you know, the two, two kinds of exchanges, those that have been hacked and those that will be hacked. It's just a matter of time before someone attacks one of these very large VPN providers, even with the best of intentions, and um, they get hacked and all the user's data, your credit card, your physical address, all that kind of stuff gets leaked on the internet. It's game over for you. And that is not only security risk, it's a physical risk to you as well. People have your home address and credit card and that kind of stuff. So. A lot of these internet, uh, sorry, VPN providers are actually being gobbled up. And, um, you know, back in the maybe five, 10 years ago, there were hundreds and thousands, not hundreds of thousands, hundreds of VPN providers. But now they're sort of coalescing into 
you know, two or three of the big ones. And I'm sorry to say, and it's extremely negative, but it's just reality. They're just, you know, a day away or a week away or a month away from getting hacked. So um, I can't really recommend a VPN provider because I just don't know their internal workings. Um, even if they've got a good reputation, even if they've got a good CEO and staff and whatnot, um, they may be forced by a government agency to release data. They could be hacked or there could be other ways for the data to leak. So it's, it's, it's almost impossible to recommend a VPN provider because you just don't know um, how secure the data is. And uh, without going on, the only way really to securely and privately use a VPN is to use your own one, something they've set up by yourself. And actually, just on that point, Gordon, so I know you have had quite a few people coming up to you and asking you to help them with their, what we'll call digital sovereignty, or even setting up a whole new identity online. And it's come to the point that we are getting these requests in as a service that we're now offering. Um, tell us about Decentralize.help. What is it? What do you do? What do we do for us? Not what do I do? What do we do? <laughs> um, it's all part of Coin Compass and BitcoinBasics.help. And there's a lot of overlap there. And, and here comes the ad, but I'll be, I'll be quite brief with this. Yeah. As you mentioned, Faris, um, the only real way to, I guess, obtain digital self-sovereignty is um, by hosting stuff yourself. And we call this self-hosting. So instead of having an email, external email provider, third party, Faris is talking about running a Bitcoin node or whether it's cloud storage through Google Drive or OneDrive or iCloud or whatever. Those might be reputable services, but again, they could be hacked. But also, um, you know, who knows what sort of information is being sold or, or leaked to third parties. The only real way is to self-host it. Now, self-hosting sounds scary. It is essentially spinning up, creating a Linux server, and for example, in this case, setting up a VPN, VPN server. And a lot of these VPN providers, you know, cost $10 a month. Some of them actually cost $20 a month, whatever. The irony is that you can actually spin up something for as cheap as about $5 a month. You can do it yourself. Now, I'm a huge advocate for DIY. I think that's what the number one step that um, people should be doing. Whether it's a VPN, whether it's your own cloud storage or your own website um, or, or anything else really that can be, you know, self-hosted, do it yourself. The problem is, number one, people don't have the time or perhaps the expertise or don't even want to do it themselves. Um, the second best thing is to get someone else to do it for you. Now, decentralized that help is in its early days. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that we provide for us. And um, it's something that you can have for, for, for very low fees. And it's something that you control. Um, it's something that we don't even control. We can, at the end of setting up a VPN, for example, for you, and there are other things that we can set up, but in the in the case of a VPN, we literally hand you the what is like the private keys, the passwords, everything, and say, here it is. Now you can pay us extra to maintain it, whatever. But yeah, I would love to set up a VPN for someone and say, here it is. I've set it up for you. Go for it. Um, that's true digital sovereignty because you own the data and, and no one else. Yeah, so this is the point I kind of want to ram home to everyone. If you're interested in any way in privacy, and I think in this day and age, you should be. It's not just a battleground with anyone that can hack into your account and um, blackmail you. It's 
what we're seeing going on with governments at the moment as well. So you want to be able to use the internet. You shouldn't be afraid to go online. We actually need the internet. But if you want to do so privately, which is your, you know, your right to do so, Gordon and I are, and I'm, I is really just a misnomer there. Gordon is setting up this system where basically, I know it sounds scary to self-hosting, but the way Gordon does things is he will make it secure, but convenient and easy for you. So he's going to set up a system where you can run and control and manage your own data. So it is not going to a third party that can get hacked. You are in control of your own data, which means you're in control of your own identity. Because people go online these days, and what they tend to do is the equivalent of having your windows curtains open and turning on every single light in a busy street and going about your day as normal. You don't do that. You close your curtains, you turn off the lights when you're not using them, you make sure that your home is private, but people don't do that when they're online and they should. So what Gordon's talking about is making sure that you are private online, that you are controlling who sees what. And if you want Gordon to help you manage that. If you want decentralized help to help you manage that, you can, but Gordon is very much of self-sovereign. You can do it yourself. So he can hand you the keys or you can get decentralized help to manage that on a monthly basis for you. So we are seeing growing need in this market. And this is why you know, we've had people coming to us, asking us to do it, which is why that service is now available. Oh, absolutely, Ferris. And and I would love for people to do it themselves. Like I, I would be extremely happy if 100% of people came to the site, they watched the videos and they did it all themselves, maybe with a little bit of help. Uh, that would be fantastic. But the reality is not everyone has the time or the expertise. So you need a little bit of helping hand. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to trust. And and I will get back to the tour network. So uh, we aren't just talking about our own products and services, but it all comes down to trust. Um, and, and this is what frustrates me about Bitcoin as Ferris. And I think you're slowly picking up on, on this and I'm, I'm, slowly, uh, I'm slowly getting to you. Bitcoin is a trustless system. So you don't have to trust the bank. You don't have to trust an exchange. You can have Bitcoin on a hardware wallet or a mobile wallet. You've got a blockchain. It's a trustless system. So Bitcoin is all about, yeah, you know, F the government and F big exchanges and F the banks and da-da, right? And then they're checking in. Some. Well, some. But then they're checking in with their Google Mail and then they're uploading to their iCloud. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's great that you got Bitcoin and it's great that you've got Bitcoin on your hardware wallet or a wallet off the exchange. So you've, you've achieved sort of self-sovereignty in that aspect. But what about all the other stuff, the social media, your files, your emails and that kind of stuff? So that kind of annoys me a little bit how Bitcoin is sort of anti that. But there is a way you can host your own email. You can host your own website, your own VPN server. You can even host your own social media. Uh, Faris and I have set up our own for Coin Compass. We've set up our own cloud storage and collaborative editing tools and stuff like that. All using open source software, all free and all completely private on our very own server. So there are ways to do this. And uh, yeah, again, decentralized.help. Getting back to Tor, Faris, I would say the biggest difference with using Tor is that there's no account. So like Bitcoin, you don't need any permission. You don't need to uh, create an account or KYC or anything like that. Um, you just start using Bitcoin. And so the same with Tor. With a VPN provider, you have to hand over your credit card. You have to pay that VPN provider. Uh, they all know details about you. 
And with the best intentions, you know, who knows? They're just a phone call away from the government or a data leak for your information to be lost. With Tor, um, like Bitcoin, you just join the Tor network. You download the Tor browser or download a browser that incorporates Tor and you start. And, and that's true anonymity. Um, not only are you don't have to create an account, it's a permissionless system. Tor is designed so that every user within the system looks exactly the same. So let's say there are you know, currently 20,000 users on the Tor network. Every single of those 20,000 users looks like they're using Firefox on a Windows machine you know, with this end screen. So websites can't actually distinguish between Tor users. That's, that's true anonymity. All right, thank you very much for that. And anyone still listening who's there with us, as you can tell, Gordon is very passionate about this stuff and he knows what he's doing. Um, he did this uh, Australia's largest banks and this is his passion is security and privacy. So head on over to decentralized.help to become your own self-sovereign individual, basically control who sees what and how you manage yourself online. And that's something that decentralized.help will help you do. Excellent. Yeah, thanks, Faris. And, and for those Bitcoiners out there, getting Bitcoin onto your um, wallet or whatever, that's the first step. That's fantastic. You've achieved financial sovereignty, but that's step one. You know, you've got a, you've got a bit way to go in terms of InfoSec and OpSec, uh, in terms of privacy. And Faris, I want to introduce a new segment to our shows uh, mm -hmm. called Peering into the Rabbit Hole. So we're not going to go down a rabbit hole. We're just going to have a a 30 second look into the rabbit hole just to stimulate perhaps some, some thinking or whatnot. Isn't that what Alice said? True, but we're not going to get dragged <laughs> down there. Um, so with Tor, one sort of caveat to Tor is that anyone, you go into the system and then you go out of the system, but anyone can create these, what are called entry and exit nodes, including the FBI and CIA and all that kind of stuff. So there are ways around it, but the, the gold standard for using Tor, and this is going to perhaps blow your mind, is to not use a VPN, don't use Tor, use Tor over a VPN. So you connect to your VPN provider first, then you connect to the Tor network. That's the gold standard. Okay. That sounds actually quite, that's what I was thinking back my head. I was going to ask you that. Can you use both? So cool. All right. Thank you very much, Gordon. And um, thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, please get in touch if there's anything you would like us to answer. Any questions that I uh, just go to bitcoinbasics.help and or decentralized.help and we can help you guys with any of your Bitcoin and now your online privacy needs. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services and technologies but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.